It's the middle of the winter, but we are still eating plenty of fresh vegetables. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January the 24th, 2013. This is the first of two podcasts that we will do on the whole issue of how we approach food storage. Part one today is going to be all about how we try to minimize the need for storing food. And then we hope next week to visit with you about how we actually store that 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 does need to be stored. And we've got some tricks and thoughts that we can share with you next week about what we do when we do need to store food. But this week we thought we would just sort of think out loud about how our approach to growing food has changed from what it was before we arrived here. Right. Um, We... Before we came to the farm, um, and we back lived in the in day the, when we were just planning on, you know, what would our life be? Yeah. Well, maybe we should even start back with how was our life before then? <laughs> you know, we didn't think about food storage except, except, yeah, I, I, you know, if somebody yeah. offered me canned goods or something, you know, Certainly. some canned. But the food. the primary food storage challenge when we were in the city or in the suburbs was to store food during the several days between the time we bought it and the time we prepared it and ate it. That's right. Or at the most, going to the farmer's market and buying, you know, whatever I could and, and, you know, freezing it or something like that. Every now and then, even before I grew it, I I was doing that. But you're right. Once we knew we were going to move here, we started thinking about, um, so if we grow summer vegetables and we have excess that we're not eating right away which at first we didn't but you know we, we hoped that we would grow more right well, and from the beginning we looked on this as a journey towards subsistence so we were thinking what will we eat during the winter time yeah, yeah. so we we tried canning we canned all those green beans year before last it was like um, 11 gallons I think you know in other words that was one of our main uh, visions that we would do is we bought a canner Big, big sucker, one of these nice all-America canners, and it's a very effective tool. And I think in, in those early days, our assumption was that we were going to be putting up enough during the summer to eat on it all winter long. At mm-hmm. least that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. But now we realize that what we're ending up doing, and it really is more satisfactory, is growing for all four seasons, basically. I mean, we're, we're growing something all the time out there. Um, and as Barbara Kingsolver would refer to it as um, eating what's lovely and in season, we try to, to keep something lovely and in season out there all the time. <laughs> and I think we've been more or less successful in doing that. We've had a couple of gaps during which, well, we, last summer comes to mind when we had a series of crises that made made it impossible for either one of us to focus on it as we should have. But, you know, basically I think we've done a good job keeping something growing all year long and something lovely and in season all That's year right. long. And 
if if people say, well, isn't it boring to just like eat whatever's in season? Well, the variety comes by through the change of season. Like my my palate is set for collards now. Absolutely. It's collards time. And I'm looking out in the garden when I walk out there and those Savoy cabbages are heading up beautifully. And I'm thinking, okay, in about a month, it'll be cabbage time. Um, And and certainly we have our ways, and I'm sure we'll talk about this even more next week, of if I have too much cabbage, we make stew. I mean, we have ways of putting up when we got too much. Yeah, but and, and the time will come when we will say, well, we're not enjoying those collards anymore. They're not. They're no longer producing. But uh, we'll have tomatoes by then. And Brussels sprouts will be coming on. That's and right. then asparagus will be coming on. And boy, talk about something we can look forward to. And peas before too long. I'll be planting Won't those be next month. long before we'll have spring yeah. peas. So yeah. I agree with you. Our variety comes not from very what we eat day by day, but varying what we eat season by season. And, and it's really more like month by month. I yeah, mean, it, it, yeah. our, because, just as you pointed out, uh, collards are brassicas and Savoy cabbage is brassicas, but they come on at different times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and like the rutabagas, they have served us well. We only have about three left out there, yeah, and they're we're huge. we're sort of seeing the last beautiful cords of the rutabagas. Yeah, and so, you know, we, we will plant something and else in its place. And haven't the rutabagas been a pleasant surprise? I, they tasted so much better than any. If, you, if, if you're listening out there and you think that canned rutabagas in any way represent that vegetable, I, I, I'm happy to tell you, you you're mistaken and you need to try a fresh rutabaga because they are fresh delicious. Fresh rutabaga is delicious, and so are the greens from mm-hmm. the rutabaga. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's a real winner for us, and I'd say it's probably the nicest surprise of this year. Yeah, yeah, they've been good, and and you know one thing, you just can't beat the taste of all the fresh vegetables. We mentioned we like the rutabagas mostly. That that comes to mind because it was such a surprise, but. Um, you know, there's nothing like going out and picking a cauliflower out of your own garden, and just—I mean, I don't even have to put any seasoning on the thing I, for the on the rutabaga either, for that matter. I, I picked some the other night, and I just <clears throat> steamed it, and it didn't even—it was so sweet, it didn't even need any seasoning. But you I certainly agree. could season if you wanted to. So they're but we just don't. so flavorful. There are plenty of people who think that cauliflower isn't good unless it's got some kind of cheese on it, but we know better. I used to think that. I used to think that. When I was living in the suburbs and not growing my own, and if I went to the store and bought cauliflower, the main way I served it was I grated a bunch of cheese, usually Parmesan or something, and put on there. But that plant did not taste as good as the ones we've grown. That's right. Or the the, the Fresh cauliflower is just such a delicacy. And... I guess just I, I, we're gonna we need to get to a, uh, a, the next point on our outline, but I want to interrupt and talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, temperature. Um, we're in central Alabama, as you know, and here a really really cold night is in the mid-teens, and in the mid-teens, nearly everything we're growing will muscle right through it because if it's mid-teens tonight, it's going to be a sunny day today. And so they get lots of warmth from the soil, and they me- they'll muscle through a really cold freeze. And as a result, we haven't even had to worry about frost barrier or you know anything like that. Any thermal blanket—they're just growing right out in the open, mm-hmm. and 
they're all doing just fine. Now, we have not had a hard freeze yet, not a down-in-the-mid-teens yeah, yeah. kind of freeze. But we're reasonably confident that if we did, they'd be fine. Yeah, and, and some of those vegetables, like collards, actually taste better if they've gotten a, a light frost on them. So, oh, of course. So, yeah. uh, and, and I'm convinced because, my lettuce tasted better this year. Because, because what happens frost. is that frost prompts the plant to store more sugar in its mm-hmm. foliage and as a way of protecting itself against that cold weather, and that sugar is makes it's what makes them taste so much better. Right. They really now they taste good to you and to me because we like members of the brassica family. <laughs> but there are people who don't like most or any of the vegetables that fall into the brassica. And uh, we take off category. our hats and we grieve and, for and them. And that would and just as to review, that would be collards, kale. Um, cabbage, cabbage Brussels, sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Did I say cauliflower yet? Uh, broccoli, broccoli, um, and kohlrabi. You know, plants like that. And so, but I like those tastes, but not everybody does. Um, and so, yes, I, I'm sorry you don't because uh, they have they're really nutritious. But um, then, like I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who doesn't, and what they do is they just put a, aside more of the summer vegetables that they do like and eat off those all winter long. But you just, you have to eat what you like and grow what you like. So, you know. It it certainly works for us to eat fresh greens during the winter, and we are so glad that it does. But we do understand that some of you just don't have the taste for brassicas that we do. And and we understand. Yes. So, uh, and, you know, again, you can usually probably find something that you can store from another season that you do like, if that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You don't, don't let that discourage you from gardening. It just grow. You, the, the important thing is to grow what you like and eat what you like. Um, but that having been said, we always have to think at least one season ahead, don't we? We can't get caught up in the uh, here and now. We have to think about seeds to be purchased, to be planted. Yeah. So here we are in the winter time and Yes, we want to make sure that we pull those rutabagas when they're ready and enjoy them and the collards and the kale and the broccoli and the cauliflower and so forth. But at the same time, you're having to plan for the spring and the summer by ordering your seeds and thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. And very soon now, you're going to begin starting seeds. That's right. When I, yeah, probably early February or so. So, um, We'll be purchasing and making selection about seeds for the summer, and then there will be some things that I'll purchase in the in the spring to put out as transplants. Um, but or and as you said, I'll start my seeds and have my own transplants of many varieties of plants. So um, we you don't ever get to sit back and put your feet up. You know, there's always something to do. Well, you know that's a good point. Um, we have extolled to you the virtues and the joys of growing food year-round, but many of our friends take real joy in shutting down their garden and putting their gardening feet up and knowing that they're just not going to have to mess with it again until February or March. And I can respect that. It just, to us, it seems like they're missing the most fun part of gardening. I was going to say, this... And I've said this on some other podcasts too. The fall garden is where it's at. It yes, you have a little bit more to do in August and maybe early September than the the put your feet up 
gardeners do. Um, but you just get a few plants in the ground and you eat off of them all winter. And I mean, I don't have to do anything no to those weeds, plants. No sweat. Yeah. No bugs. It's easy. It's a great way to grow food. So we, we thoroughly um, recommend that or highly recommend that. Um, and of course, then not to say when the bugs and weeds do come that you should give up. But it's just that if I had to choose between growing a fall garden and a summer garden, I'd pick fall any day of the week. <laughs> and one more time, when we say fall veg, it's the, that's really a misnomer. It's really fall, winter, into early spring that's right. veg. Yeah, for example, I have carrots out there now. And I can go, when I'm fix a, fixing a salad, I'll pull a carrot. And it's like a little baby carrot. It's very good. But they're going to continue to grow and I predict I'll have carrots on into the spring, larger ones. So um, we planted it in the fall, but it's going to see us through until spring. Exactly And the right. other thing you, you and I are hoping to try this year for the first time is to deploy shade cloth on a bed or two of those fall veg and see if we can maybe extend that season a little further. If the plants are still healthy, yes. I think if the plants are sure. you know, yeah. over the hill... Uh, I won't bother. I'll just plant new ones, um, which you can. A lot of these same brassicas can be planted again in the spring if we want, wanted to. So yeah. um, there, there are many options. Well, uh, stay tuned for next week because what we will do is deal with those times when we do indeed need to store food in the long run. And we've got several things we want to share with you about what we've learned about that as well. Canning, freezing, root cellar, drying, all that sort of thing. And we'll talk that through soup to nuts a week from now. Look forward to visiting with you then. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.